0: We're going to unpack the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son. And so if you've heard Bibles, can you just please open with me to Luke chapter 15. And Kayla read it, so we're, going to, we're not going to spend a lot of time reading it up here together. But what we're going to do is we're going to unpack it together. And so throughout the weekend, we've been looking at this image of, of this younger son, this older son, and the father. And, and that's all great. It's good to look at the story and see who's in the story. But the most important figure in the story is Jesus. In fact, if we look at the beginning of the chapter of chapter Luke 15, we see Luke writes and tells us what's happening. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to Him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man... This man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. And it's important to start here. It's important for us to notice that Jesus is engaging, hanging out with two groups of people. We see Jesus is hanging with, with the tax collectors and the scribes. But we also see that these, these people we see a lot in Scripture named the Pharisees like to show up and like to you know ruin the party sometimes. And these these two groups are acting very differently. On one hand, we see the tax collectors and and sinners, they're drawing near to Him. They're they're scooting their chairs closer to the table because they want to hear what Jesus has to say. And then we see the Pharisees, the other group, they're grumbling. They're they're taking their chairs and they're scooting away. They're, They're whispering under their breath, why is this Jesus' character... Hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And it's important to see that the Luke uses this word "receives." And I, Brian might help to help me with this Greek word. But the Greek word for "receives" is There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Prosdekomai. Right? I took one semester of Greek in college, and that didn't go well. <laughs> but it's important for us to know that this Greek word means eagerly waiting expectantly waiting it's like it's like a groom waiting for his bride to come down an aisle this is the this is the word that that luke writes here so we see that jesus is not just receiving sinners but he what is he doing he's eagerly awaiting them he's expectantly excited to welcome them Jesus is inviting the tax collectors and sinners, pull your chair up. There's enough to go around. And as we read Scripture, this makes the Pharisees upset. <laughs> right? They're upset because Jesus is hanging out with the outcasts, the people that don't look like them. So Jesus tells us three parables in this chapter. And he uses these parables to explain to the Pharisees and scribes what is really going on and what is really happening. And why is Jesus eating, I would say, hanging out with sinners? So, the first parable, we're not going to read it, is is the parable of the lost coin, or the sheep, sorry. The parable of the sheep in Luke 15 3 through 7, right? It shows us that Jesus is, is receiving sinners. Like a shepherd who finds his lost sheep, and what parties, okay? And then we have another one, the parable of lost coin, and we see that Jesus is receiving sinners is like a woman who finds a lost coin and parties. And so that Jesus is is telling these stories. He tells one, and the Pharisees are like, eh. he tells another, and they're still, eh. and so Jesus is telling the Pharisees and scribes that listen. The lost sheep and the lost coin represents lost sinners, or just sinners. And being found represents our repentance. The 180 degree turn back home. And what does God do? He parties. And so, however, in that moment, some get it and some don't. Some understand Jesus is here to love the lost and bring them home. Jesus is the shepherd seeking the lost sheep, the woman who is seeking her coin. Jesus is still in this moment, right here, right now, at Lakers Baptist Church, welcoming home and seeking sinners. He is loving the outcast, the hard-hearted, and He is receiving us. No matter how far we go away, the door is always unlocked. And this sets the stage, all of this sets the stage for Jesus to tell his third parable in this chapter and to answer the accusations brought to him by the Pharisees. And I would even say the accusations that some Christians bring. Why are you going to let that person come back in here after he or she did all of that? Luke 15, 11 through 32 is one of the well most well-known parables Jesus has ever told. It's probably one of the most well-known stories in the New Testament. But the gospel message, the message of Jesus coming to earth, is the sweet aroma that is behind every single verse in this story. Throughout every interaction the father has with the younger son and the older son illuminates God's love for sinners, for hard-hearted, for everybody. We are so quick to try to cast ourselves as either the younger son or the older son, and that's okay. We're so quick to throw ourselves in, oh, that's me. right? I act like that. But what we need to do is we need to look at this parable with fresh eyes. Eyes that shows us that at some point we are both the younger son and the older son. We run from things. We run away from God's house, and when we come back, When we come back, someone runs away and comes back. Sometimes we're like, oh no, that person. He's not allowed in my my Sunday school. Oh, I don't want to have that person with me. And so the prodigal son shows us two things. And this is like a catchphrase. I don't know, it's not not a catchphrase. The house is always open and you don't need to earn your room. Romans 3.23 says, Romans 3, 23-25 highlights our separation from God, our lostness from God. For all, everybody, have sinned and fell short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. We have all felt the effect of lostness because of sin. In Genesis, we see the first glimpse of lostness. Adam and Eve are separated from God, they're thrown out of the garden. And throughout the Old Testament, we see this theme of being separated from God vividly. The Israelites wandering, the judge cycle, the King David. David is a good king, but there's still something missing. We see glimpses of God bring His chosen people, us, closer and closer to home. But we are still lost. We still work hard to get there. We see God hinting throughout all of the Old Testament, all of Scripture of sending someone into the world to finally run off His porch and welcome sinners home. We finally see a breakthrough to our lostness and our ability to reconcile us to God. We see Jesus vividly throughout the entire Old Testament. And we vividly see Jesus here this morning in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is about the love of God breaking into our cities, our schools, our neighborhoods, and our workplaces. Jesus is vividly paints this picture of I love you so much. When you ran, when you were lost, and you came home, my love never changed. In fact, I got up and I ran towards you. This is a picture of a son coming home and the father running to meet him. It's a picture of the the father loving those who don't get it, whose heart is hard by this idea of, I need to work really hard, and I've been working really hard, God. It's a picture of Jesus loving us. What I want to do is I want us to peel back these layers, these beautiful layers of this story, and I want us to look at the first part of this parable together. And I'm not going to read all of it because we have already read it. But this is just the picture of the younger son. And this picture, this story, gives us a clear mental map image of what misery looks like, what lostness looks like due, our, due to our desire to, to want to cling to something else. We see that the son runs somewhere else. And he he wants to to go. He desires to to, to go. But then we see in in a moment, we see him come to his senses. We see him a beautiful image of repentance. And then this overabundant love of his father running from this porch. And and I was a runner growing up, and I still kind of run. And running is a lot of fun. Sometimes. But when you start running from God, or running from the Father, it always starts off as free. Oh, this is great. I'm going to run to this. Ooh, I'm free. But it's like, it's like, I'm going to run from Laker's Baptist Church to McDonald's. It's a, and McDonald's is my end goal. I don't, I don't care about this place anymore. I want a McDouble at McDonald's. So, so what I do is I, as I run and as I get closer to McDonald's, Lakers Baptist Church gets further and further away from my rear view. And so as we get closer to the thing we are running to, we see our desire and our where we're intended to be made in communion with God, the picture of that goes away slowly. And notice that the younger son runs to something wild right this reckless living it's like sky jumping jumping feels free and then you realize oops i don't have a parachute so 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 running from god at first feels free reckless wild however look what happened when we run from god you end up getting attached to something else And that attachment enslaves you. You're not a son. You run and become attached to something that acts like a God in your life, with the God calling you back. The Bible is clear in Genesis. We are made to commune with God, have relationship with Him, to chill in His house, to constantly be clothed by His grace. And C.S. Lewis calls us little Christ. And here our vision is that we are to be lighthouse for Christ. But when we run away from our source of the light, our light gets dimmer and dimmer and we're just a lighthouse that's dark. We see that the misery here, the son that Jesus describes when running from the father's house, we see that he goes to the lowliness, to the fact that he's eating pig, he wants to eat pig pods. Do we want to eat pig pods forever? When we run, our lights grow dim and our image is covered. However, the story doesn't end there. In fact, the best part is yet to come. We get this beautiful picture of the son coming to himself, realizing in that moment what he needs most, and that is the father's love for him. Here's the scene, and I want to read this because I think this is really beautiful. It says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father. And I said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he got, and he rose, and came to his father. The first thing that happens to this younger son is that he comes to himself. He realizes that he was made to be with Jesus. He, he realized that his identity is with the father. And he has ran from it, run far away to a, a land and lived recklessly. This is what I like to call the V8 moment. I had this commercial so long, but it's like drinking, like bop on the head. It's like should have had a V8, right? You woke up. This is the sense where he's awoken by, what am I doing? And this is not he's not being awoken. The Holy Spirit is invading his body and saying, listen, go be with your father. He realizes that he needs the Father in order for his light to shine bright and his image to shine vividly. Then we see he he rehearses this thing. He says, "I'm going to be a servant." In this moment, he sees that he feels completely unworthy to be with the Father. That nothing he can do can make himself right. He humbly acknowledges his brokenness and his need for his Father. And I want to be lostness, being lost, separated, is not something we can make excuses for. We are all guilty of sin. We are all guilty of separation. We are rebels against God. We know the Father's will, but we reject it sometimes. But the image of repentance is a deep sense of how horrible we have been to, to God. And that nothing we can do, and that's important, nothing we can do can make ourselves right with God. Because guess what? Something already has been done for us. Finally, the younger son goes home. He goes home, and I want this picture of he's probably walking and he's rehearsing what is he going to say to his father the whole time. The son is thinking to himself, "How rich and generous my father is, right? He he, he has these servants that eat so well." And the focus here is not on the service that the son can supply to the father, because then the father would have to be obligated, and that's not how that's not how. The gospel works. The focus is on the overflowing, incredibly bountiful and generosity of God's grace to everybody. To this son who foolishly ran. Repentance is believing that God is so great and so good that the smallest enjoyments of his house are better than 10,000 worlds without him. So he goes home. And we have this image of this father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to them, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. And shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened cow, calf, and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. And this image right here is just chock full of so many emotions. Caitlin and I have been watching a a documentary on on Netflix called The Disappearance of Madeline McCain. And so we've been watching it, and each episode shows how long this, this young girl has been missing. And she is still missing. But in, in this, these episodes, and reading this and studying this, I think of this image of that little girl walking up out of nowhere. And this father and mother just hanging out. They're British, so they're probably having tea. They're having tea, and, and, and so they see this girl. And they stop what they're doing. They just stop. They don't even put shoes on. They don't put their jacket on. It might be, they don't even get a rank code or whatever. They run. They don't care about a uh, traffic or they run and they see this girl. And they, they embrace this girl. And this is this image of this father right here. This is the image of Jesus welcoming sinners back. The first thing the father does is he sees his son way off in this distance walking towards him. Jesus tells us that his son is coming up over this hill. And it's important to note that God is not busy with other things, that he is not concerned with his lost children. Before anyone else sees, God sees. God sees those who are a long way off and sees those who are close. God saw a long way off that his son is coming to repent. He he walking, he turns, I'm going home. And what the Father does in that moment is what I think is the only appropriate thing. He feels compassion. Notice he doesn't feel anger or wrath or disappointment, but he feels compassion. He's been waiting for that sun to come up over that hill. Maybe on that porch. I don't know if they have porches back then. Ron, you've been to the Holy Land. They have porches back then? Sure. Okay. Okay. He felt this compassion. He's been waiting for his son, and when he saw him, he's overflowed. He runs out to greet him, and he runs, runs towards him. And, and our speaker, Phil Gate, mentioned that that in this culture, an elderly man, who this guy was the father probably, who owned a lot of land and had a lot of servants at his command, would not run to meet anyone. It was a taboo. You just didn't did. You didn't do it. You would sit down and be like, "Hey, oh, Steve, go get my son." But well, we see this picture of, of this father getting up and running after, running towards his son. The son who was who was lost and in this place of darkness and sin. And what the father does, he embraces his, him, he embraces him and kisses him. Think about that exchange. Think about that person in your life you want to come home to the Father. Maybe that person is sitting in this room. This person who, who's been in unbelief, recklessly living, engaged in sin hard-heartedly. Think about what it would look like to see the brokenness in their face and to reach out embrace him and kiss him because that's what God does. God welcomes you home. So the son reacts in a way. His reaction, the son tells his father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But what does the father say? I want to hear none of it. He gets the best robe. He clothes him, puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And he does what? Throws a party. The son did not deserve any of those things and he knew it. He rehearsed, I'm going to go home and be a servant. I'm going to I'm going to get a list of of how much stuff I need to work to regain the love of my father. I need need to work the fields every day. But what does the father do? He takes a robe of righteousness and he puts it over him. He puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He is home. And the father says, you don't need to do anything. You were lost, but now you are found. I love you. However, we know that the story does not end there. Right? When all this partying is going on, something else is occurring, right? We're partying and stuff, and then the older sons hear all this music. Oh, what's going on? What's with all this music? And the oldest son challenges us, I think. Why? Because the second part of the parable is for the longtime church goers. Because so there's people who, someone walks in, they do this. Right? the guy who's got tattoos. It's the guy that we don't really want to talk to at work. It's for people who don't struggle as much from running from God, but struggling with those who do. Condemning those who run from God. For those who think I have been here in your house for all these years working my tail off and I get nothing, that's what the older son's saying. They're saying, I've been to Wednesday night Bible study, I've been to Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night, I did this Easter prayer thing, which is good. And he's saying, "But where's my fan calf? Where? Where is my party? Right? I've been here the whole time, working, working for your love, working for my inheritance. But what does the Father do? The Father answered his.
1: But he, this is the Son.
0: Answered. Look, these many years, I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command." You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. The older son has this idea that he's been serving so long, obeying everything the father gives him, wanting a reward for his service. This makes the son angry. I've been the best son. I've been here working while this other guy is just chilling. This is for the Christian who says, why are we celebrating when this person comes home when I've been here? Why am I not celebrated? However, this is all wrong. We see the beautiful picture of, of, of God welcoming this younger son home. And this younger son can't come home but think that I have to work. And the father says, you don't have to work for anything. And we have this older son who's who, who's been working Well, her son thinks he is a slave working for her master. His obedience is a give-and-take relationship. He believes, I'm a good son because I've been working all these years. How many of us in this room think that? I've been working. I've been reading my Bible. I've been doing all this. I'm a good Christian because I do all these good things. That's so much further from the truth, right? Because guess what? The work has already been done the gospel message isn't something we can earn the father comes out and he loves his son who has his heart saying listen I'm earning and he runs to the son who says my heart is broken the gospel is something that was bought with the price of Christ's blood Jesus didn't come to the world and hang up a help-needed sign, but he came and hung up a help-available sign. Throughout the entire parable, something remained constant, and that was the father's love for both his sons. The younger son thought he would come back and work as a servant, thinking, I can earn my way back. I can earn the money I lost. But the father gave him a robe, a ring, and called him my son and loved him. The older son, who was angry that he's been working all these he are so hard, following the commands of the Father, being a good man, brother comes to him and loves him and says, your heart is, is right in the place, but it's hard-hearted. Church, the love of the Father is something we can never earn or deserve. We see on the one hand, the younger son who deserved nothing, but was given a full sonship. And on the other hand, we see the son believe that he earned his father's love. And the thing that changes our hearts, the thing that changes the heart of the younger son, And the heart of the older son is the gospel message. It's it's us understanding that we are broken people, separated from God, sinful, wanting to desire something else, wanting to run to something else. And when our brokenness, we see this sign saying help available, that help Wanted. So we go and we see and we, and we feel this love of God, this, this overabundance love. And we see Jesus says, I got you. That cross thing, that was for you. And our only response is to go make a room in God's house. The one constant thing that remained in the story was the father's love for his sons. And that still remains today. We're both sons. On one hand, we are constantly struggling, running from things. Running away from the house. God's saying, come home. When you come home, you don't have to sweep the floor. You don't have to do chores. Come home, I will love you. And he's saying to those in that house who's been in in that house for a while working, he's saying, you didn't earn my love. I already loved you. Your your brothers, come home. We have to celebrate. And so that's what Jesus does. That's what God does. In this moment, He is celebrating people coming home and people's hearts changing. And in this moment, He can celebrate today. If you've been running from something and, and God's house is getting smaller and smaller, the only thing you need to do is turn around. And even the smallest glimpse of God's house Is so much better than what is over here. And if you're sitting here today and you just think, I don't really run, I I stay I I stay in God's house and and I work and I work hard. I earned it. God's saying to you, You didn't earn anything. I came with the help available sign. So that's that's the where's your heart? Let's pray.